There's a God who cares for his creation, but above all, he cares for us. So much so that he saw that we were in desperate need. We were, had a hopeless future because of sin, so he decided to come to earth himself to deal with it and to bring us to be his again. That's how much he cares for you and me, that he is willing to die for us. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to hear God's word read and preached to us this morning. Lord our God, you are an awesome God. We thank you for your creation, for the way that you care for it. But above all, we thank you for how much you care for us. Lord, not only did you die for the penalty of our sin, and that by faith we can be brought back to you and have eternity with you, but you also provide us with your word as we live each and every day here on earth. Your word that encourages and equips us and strengthens our faith. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear it and to receive it today. And we hear, learn and apply your word in our lives. For your glory and your name's sake. Amen. We have two Bible readings today. Uh, The first one is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And so, sorry, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The second reading is from Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross.
Uh, thank you, Jane. Well, good day again, everyone. Great to see you all. Uh, as we just mentioned before, we don't have Kids Church today, but um, uh, we do have some uh, uh, sort of, um, what are they called? Clipboards with activities on them. So feel free to go and grab those. I think they're out the back there um, if you'd like them. Uh, parents, please feel very relaxed about any noise your kids might make. We just love having you here and we're very uh, glad to have you. So, um, But we are going to start with a bit of a game. Uh, and I thought I could get the kids to help with this one. Uh, so we're, we're thinking about identity, and we're going to have a little bit of a game of guess who. Okay, you did it. So I'm going to give you some clues. You need to guess who I'm talking about, who I am. Uh, okay. So first, first person, first, first one. I'm a famous Australian. There's plenty of those. I'm six years old. That narrows it down a little bit. I love to play and have adventures. This will give it away. You reckon? Oh. Yeah, the next one is I'm a dog. Yes, it's Bluey, of course. My little sister's name is? Yeah, okay, okay. So you got that one. Next person. Um, next person. I'm a dreamer. That sort of narrows it down. I really like chocolate, really. I made friends with a little orange man with green hair called an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> it's Willy Wonka, almost. It's from Charlie the Chocolate. Yes, yes, okay. That's a, that's a movie out at the moment. Okay, next one. I'm blonde with blue eyes. I'm a member of Trinity Church Victor Harbour. Hmm, narrows it down a little bit. No, not Duncan. <laughs> I help lead the youth Bible study. I'm very beautiful and funny. <laughs> right at the back there? Yes. That's right. <laughs> but this question of identity, who am I? Who are you? How would you describe yourself if you're sort of introducing yourself or talking about yourself to other people? It's a huge thing, right, this issue of identity. It's a huge thing. Of course, we can just go on surface things like what you look like, where you come from, where you live, what you do. But, of course, the more you get to know someone, the more you realise that those, those are just surface things, aren't they? They don't really get to the heart of who you are, of who you are, of your identity, uh, this whole area is something that our society is really interested in. You've, I'm sure you've picked that up, uh, obsessed with even, you might, you might say. Um, uh, Google has this function where you can search for any word or phrase and it'll show up how often it's been used in books over the last couple of hundred years. So it just gives you an idea of sort of different trends words get used in. So this is the one for the word identity. You can see that there. hasn't been used very much for a long time, but there's suddenly this explosion in the last 30 years or so. Interest in this whole area of identity has shot up um, dramatically. And it goes along with what we call identity crises. Um, anxiety and uncertainty about your identity, about who you really are. What makes you, you? Um, I remember when I was a kid, I remember hearing about people having a midlife crisis. Remember that? It's typically a 40 or 50 something year old man. 
uh, having an identity crisis, doing things to reinvent himself, like buying a sports car or shaving his beard. Um, I have been clean-shaven the last couple of weeks, but I thought I'd spare you and I'd let it grow out a little bit. Um, in recent years, though, so that's kind of the midlife crisis, you know, the typical thing you think of. In recent years, though, psychologists are noticing a growing phenomenon of not a midlife crisis, but a quarter-life crisis. Uh, now it's 20 and 30-year-olds who are facing this crisis of identity. Let's not leave out the retirees, either, who often feel a big part of their identity, that your work is suddenly no longer there, and that can raise all kinds of issues, can't it, questions? But our, even younger than 20s, our teenagers aren't doing much better. In fact, I, I reckon our teens are bearing the brunt of our society's identity anguish and confusion and uncertainty. One psychologist, uh, a researcher called Jean Twenge, she writes, every indicator of mental health and psychological well-being has become more negative among teens and young adults since 2012. The trends are stunning in their consistency, breadth and size. I don't want to sort of depress you too much at the start yet, but we, you, I mean, we all know this, right? We live in an age of identity angst, deep angst about identity, about who we really are. One author, a guy called Brian Rosner, puts it like this. The irony is that while it's never been more important to know who you are, it's also never been more difficult to find out. So what's going on? Why this sudden obsession with and anxiety about identity? Um, some thinkers have pointed out the way in which there's been this massive shift in how we think about our identity in recent decades. But it's a shift that's actually been brewing a long, long time. But one way it's been talked about is in the past and in other traditional cultures today, your identity was primarily formed by things outside yourself by the communities and the institutions you're born into and that you kind of find yourself in. So who you are was primarily a member of this family or that class or that tribe, that town, that, that um, sort of uh, work. Um, there, there were realities outside yourself that you couldn't change and they defined who you were. Uh, but that way of thinking about who you are, about it, identity, has totally been turned upside down in, the, in recent decades, especially in Western democratic countries like ours. Modern identity rejects looking to things outside of yourself for your identity. And you can sort of understand why, actually, in lots of ways. Traditional identity, uh, the, one of the big problems with finding your identity that way, it can easily become oppressive. Right? Manipulative. Um, the individual can get squashed under the weight of expectation from all these outside voices, right? And sort of in reaction against that, there's a different message that is everywhere, and you all know it. <laughs> um, there's, it's in every Disney movie, it's taught in every school, it's underlying every conversation that we have or debates. The key to finding out who you really are according to modern identity is not to look around you, but to look inside yourself. To look inside yourself. And to, to, to look deeply in who, into yourself and to, to follow whatever you find there. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. You do you. 
That's kind of the catch cry, right, of modern identity. Um, and of course, the epitome, I've used this before, but it's a, it's a great example. The epitome of this was the hit song from um, about 10 years ago from the classic movie Frozen. Um, if you know the movie, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, Elsa, the main character, is having an identity crisis. And she sings, don't let them in, don't let them see, be the good girl you always have to be, sort of a caricature of the traditional identity. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know, let it, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore, let it go, let it go. Slam, turn away and slam the door, I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on, the cold never bothered. You know, lots of, the younger people are singing in their heads right now. If you're, if you're a bit older, you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? But it's this classic moment of switching from traditional identity to modern identity. Look inside yourself for who you really are. That's your guide. It's everywhere. Now, the tragedy of the, all of this is that while traditional identity, it could be crushing. It could have that kind of effect on you. Modern identity isn't actually any better. In fact, it's arguably more crushing. Instead of this being crushed by the weight of expectation from those around us, we're crushed by the pressure of having to constantly reinvent ourselves or invent ourselves, to constantly feel good about ourselves, promote ourselves and our chosen identity. Modern identity is really fra it's a really fragile thing and it needs constant affirmation. And um, Tim Keller put it like this. You ha you've got to be brilliant, you've got to be beautiful, you've got to be accomplished. It's all up to you in a way that in traditional cultures just wasn't the case. See that, the burden that comes in this modern idea, it's all up to you. Um, another, uh, I mentioned this author before, Brian Rosner, he's got a great book on this. He wrote, there are good reasons to think that the self-made self can easily end up crushed, deflated, mean, cranky, and unfulfilled. Um, and he goes into that in, in that book. But well, So, if we're not going to look at, uh, around us, and if we're not going to look inside us to find out who we really are, our identity, where can we look? Well, the good news is, the great news is that there is another direction to look, to find your identity. You can look upward. Uh, maybe you're not a Christian. You, maybe you're visiting with us, um, coming for a little while. Maybe you're uh, watching online. Great to have you with us. Uh, or maybe you're someone who's just really struggling with this whole issue of your identity. And maybe this isn't just something to laugh at. It's actually a real and deep issue for you, um, who you are. Wherever you're at, what I want to do today is to hold out to you the life-giving beauty of an identity that is found in Jesus. An identity is found by looking not around you, not even inside you, but looking up to him. Looking up to him for your identity, that's actually what is going to enable you to live in those other relationships properly, actually. Uh, to, to live relating to others and even to relate to yourself in a way that comes under his good and life-giving lordship. 
Um, you see, you can't fully give yourself to other people, can you? They're, they're fallen, they're sinful. Um, and so what I don't want to do today is uh, have a call to kind of come back to the traditional identity um, in, in some way. But at the same time, no matter what Disney tells you, you can't trust yourself either. Your own heart is not a sure and stable guide. But Jesus is. He is the one you can bank your life on. And he is the one you can receive your identity from. In a way that won't crush you, but will liberate you. Give you freedom. Okay, um, Shannon mentioned before, it's a, a short series in the, on this issue. We, uh, 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 it's a summer series, so hopefully it's something you can dip into for a week and get something out of. Um, if you're able to come to all three weeks, that'll be even better. We're looking at three aspects of the Christian identity that make a huge difference if we receive them and live in them. Uh, next week we're going to think about being known by God and the week after being loved by God. But today we're thinking about the Bible's claim that the starting point for understanding who you are, the most fundamental truth about you, is that you are created by God. You are created by God. We saw that in the first Bible reading. The opening chapters of the Bible paint this rich, cosmic picture of all things being carefully crafted brought into existence by a loving God. But right at the pinnacle of that creation, and we sang about it in the kids' song, right at the pinnacle, he creates something that's different from everything else, uh, something with a special identity. He creates humans. So uh, Genesis 1, verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So right from the start, there is a, it's a totally different foundation, isn't it, from modern identity or even from traditional identity. Um, a totally different foundation for our identity. We don't create ourselves. The people around us don't fundamentally create us. Uh, our, our lives, even our bodies, even did you notice our genders as male and female, are all a gift from a loving creator. Uh, notice there's a phrase there that becomes really important through the Bible. We're made, we're not just created by God, we're created in the image of God, in the image of God. That, that can be hard to define. We never kind of get a, a, a strict kind of definition of it in, in the Bible. But uh, in, some very, in some very profound way, humans reflect God in a way nothing else does. We reflect God to the world around us in a way nothing else does. We are special and precious to him. So just pause there. You are special and precious to him. Um, every human life, from the smallest baby in the womb to the young person caught in addiction or depression to the elderly person who's dying and perhaps can no longer even recognize their family, every human life has a sacred and holy dignity as being made in the image of God. 
And do you notice that dignity, it doesn't depend on how worthy other people think you are. It doesn't even depend on how worthy you think you are. It depends on God who has fashioned you in his image. So being made in God's image gives you an unshakable dignity and worth. It also gives you, though, a purpose. You notice that in the reading that we had. Um, Humanity was created to rule over this world on God's behalf. That's another sort of um, aspect of being created in his image, to not just reflect his character, but to rule under him over this world, to tend and care and cultivate and make. Uh, it's what uh, my, probably one of my favourite authors, Tolkien, called being a sub-creator. Um, love that idea. To, to speak and build and bring order to the world around us in ways that reflect God and his character. All of which means we were made, we were created to be in relationship with God, right? You can't reflect him, you can't create like he created if you don't know him, if you don't know who he is. Um, You see that as you keep reading through this account in Genesis. These first humans had an intimate relationship with God, uh, walking with him in the garden as his children. But of course the story doesn't end there, does it? The, The tragedy of human identity is that from the first, humans have said, I don't want to receive my identity as a gift from you, God. I want to grasp the forbidden fruit. I want to define for myself what good and evil is, what's right and wrong. I want to be my own creator. And that rebellion, like it sounds very familiar, doesn't it? But it's been that way from the start. That rebellion, that original sin, you can read about it in Genesis 3, that breaking of relationship with God was so catastrophic that every human since has been born into it and willingly participates in it. And even the creation itself is bondage to the decay that sin has unleashed on this world. Um, we, humans haven't totally lost the image of God. We haven't become animals. But that image has become marred. It's become distorted and broken in us. Our true identity has been shattered by sin. We are made to find our identity in God to reflect him to the world around us as his images. But our sin means we constantly look to other places for our identity. It's what the Bible calls idolatry. Our hearts tell us to pursue created things, another person, money, the status it brings, social media likes, could be anything. But those idols can never deliver what only God can give you and they'll they'll just eat you up in the end. And when they fail to give you the significance and security that you're looking for from them, you'll be left with your own crisis of identity if you're putting your identity in those things rather than in the God who made you. Which is why, which is why the coming of Jesus into the world brings such relief for burdened people, such freedom to those who have all their lives been held captive by false identities, false idols. Because he comes and he achieves for us what we can never achieve for ourselves. Uh, Did you pick that up in the second Bible reading from Colossians? Colossians 1, 
verse 15. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's the one who fully, perfectly, without any spot or stain, without any crack or brokenness, displays the glory of God to the world. He is the true, truly human and truly God, all in the one person. Uh, keep reading in Colossians. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. But not only that, not only is he here the Lord of creation, he has made it possible for you, for every person who comes to him in faith, to be reconnected to your true identity. That's what the second half of this passage was showing us. You keep reading in Colossians, it says, not only that, he's the Lord of creation, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among, from among the dead, so that in everything he might be, have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You get the picture that we're, we're being shown here. Jesus is the Lord of creation and of the new creation this gathering of his reconciled people who come to him in faith, who he gives his spirit to help them grow more and more in his image and who one day will walk with him, who will walk with him as we were made to in a new heavens and a new earth where there will be, there will be no more mourning or crying or death and where there will finally and for, you know, there will be no conflict between your own heart and your true identity, your true identity in him. So friends, we sort of opened this issue up today. I hope you can come back for the next couple of weeks, but I want to wrap up by suggesting that the, the question, who am I, it's not a bad question. Uh, it's a question everyone's asking and we need to ask it. But I want to suggest that there's a much better question and a more important question to ask. Not who am I, but whose am I? Whose am I? To whom do you belong? Traditional identity says you belong to the tribe. Modern identity says you belong to yourself and no one else. Uh, neither of those answers will do. Neither will give you your true identity. Um, that's why Jesus famously said this um, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 10, Pretty shocking words, aren't they? Whoever finds their life, you're desperately looking to find yourself. Whoever finds their, their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, the great tragedy with uh, that first graph, you know, that showed the, the obsession with identity in our, in our age, the great tragedy is we only really find ourselves when we stop looking for ourselves and we start looking to Jesus. We start looking to Jesus. It's only in him that anyone can find their true identity. And friends, that's why we care so much about sharing the good news of Jesus with our friends and family and community. 
The most loving thing, if that's true, that you can do for someone in a world that is struggling with identity is to introduce them to Jesus. That's why if you're struggling with your identity, the first, most important thing to do is to come to Jesus and receive the identity he gives you as a gift. Um, the same idea that, uh, uh, that we heard from Jesus' lips, uh, author C.S. Lewis put it like this, Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Um, but friends, to, to wrap up, I think there's, there's actually no better place to get like a condensed picture of what this identity looks like someone created by God in his image and restored and recreated to him in Christ, uh, then one of the great places to go is actually a couple of chapters after the passage we looked at in Colossians. So I just want to finish actually by reading out a whole chapter of Colossians, Colossians 3. I know we've looked at that last year quite recently, but it is a stunning, and if you want to see what the Christian identity really looks like in a nutshell, this is a wonderful passage. Here is an identity that unlike every other identity, is received as a gift, not something you have to achieve by your own performance. It's identity that is rock solid because it's based in Jesus and his death and resurrection. It's an identity that will change you if you have a soft heart to receive it. It's an identity that will give you a noble purpose as you grow more and more into the image of Christ, your King and Saviour. So I'm going to just uh, read this chapter to finish up, really. Um, and I encourage you to perhaps even read it at home when you get home. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to change a couple of words. I think it's legitimate kind of translation, but it'll bring out what we're talking about. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life, your identity, is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your identity, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Whatever belongs to your earthly identity, <laughs> sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old identity with its practices and have put on the new identity which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, who are you? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other 
And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that in Jesus we have a secure, life-giving, purpose-giving identity. We confess that we so often look to other things for who we are, to tell us who we are, and we, we confess our sin to you today. We, we bring that to you and we ask our God that you might please assure us once again by the work of your spirit in our own hearts that through Jesus we have complete forgiveness and a fresh start. Help us to take off our old self and put on our new self day by day by day to live into this new and wonderful and life-giving identity that you have given to us, this that you have achieved for us in Jesus and freely given. Uh, we thank you for this and we pray that you might do this among us. In Jesus' name, amen.